Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I am so happy that you are here today. And I believe that God's word will build you up and strengthen you in faith. Praise the Lord. Now today, let's go to Psalm 112. We're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. And you, my friends, will be blessed. Praise God. Psalm 112, verse 1 it says, praise the Lord. Of course, that in the Hebrew was the word hallelujah. So praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. So there is a real blessing that comes out of obedience to the written word of God. Verse 2, his descendants will be mighty on earth. Now, I, I believe that's referring to children whether it's natural children or spiritual children, they will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Now, verse three is very, very powerful. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. The Lord does not mind you having wealth and riches. Now, I know that forms of religion would say that it's God's will for you to be poor or that you should have poverty because poverty somehow they never explain it, but somehow it produces uh, some type of holiness or humility or they, they convey that poverty produces a, a good heart that's pleasing to God. But from experience, I have seen that poverty does not produce happiness Poverty does not produce joy, and it doesn't produce contentment. I have found that it actually makes people bitter. It makes people very disappointed. It stirs up the nature of the flesh. It stirs up jealousy, and um, it's not a good thing. And I know what it is to be poor. I grew up in the poorest state in the entire nation. I, gr I grew up, for the most part, in Mississippi, in a very rural area, very impoverished area. And so I know what poverty is. And then later in life, for those of you that are familiar with my testimony, I went through a period of homelessness that was extremely uh, difficult. And that a lot of that was because I didn't know the word. I didn't know what God's word said concerning cer certain uh, situations. And those that even tried to maybe encourage me in different in those different, di uh, excuse me, difficult times of my life, they could not encourage me according to the word of God, they would just say, hang in there and hopefully one day you'll get through it. They could not take me the scriptures like what you're looking at right here. Psalm 112 verse three, it was in their Bible, just like it's in your Bible and my Bible, but they were completely unaware of it. So I had encountered certain people that not only sympathize with some of my past trials, but they actually encouraged me on in them. In other words, they basically said, I even, ha I even had a pastor tell me one time, the, the great poverty that you're going through is from the Lord. And I, I just thought, well, why me? How come I got selected for this special assignment? But of course, he was not aware of some of the basic truths that we now hold uh, very sacred to our heart. He never could have taught me Psalm 112, verse 3. But the Lord is good, 
And the word of God is like honey. And once you have tasted it and the joy that it brings, it creates revelation. That's what honey represents. Illumination of the scriptures. Praise the Lord. And it was a marvelous day in my life when the reality really set in that God did not want me poor. It was not his will for that. And Jesus redeemed me from poverty and all believers from poverty there on the cross. That is part of the atonement. So God wants you to have wealth and riches. He just doesn't want you to be covetous. As long as you can keep your heart free from covetous. And one of the, one of the primary ways of doing that is to be a tither and a giver. That way you keep that, that greedy, graspy thing off of you. Praise the Lord. But my friends, the Lord wants you blessed. He wants you to be in the overflow. Look at verse 9. He, talking about the believer, the righteous person in Christ, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. Now, you have to have an overflow to be able to do that. You have to be in a position where you have more than enough. And that's exactly where God is taking you to. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, look at verse 5. A good man lends or deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. God even wants you to be in a place where, if necessary, if you can't give the money, maybe in some situations you can lend the money. Praise the Lord. Now, of course, you would guide those decisions with discretion. And that's walking in the wisdom of God, making good choices. But my friends, to be able to lend or to be able to give, you have to have more than is needed just to meet necessities. You have to be in a place of an overflow. So, again, come back to the Word and see what the Word says. And remember, the Word is God's will. See what the Word says concerning God's will for your life, concerning your financial well-being. Mm -mm. God wants you blessed. Hallelujah. Wealth and riches will be in His house. Now, whether your house is an apartment, a townhome, a condominium, or maybe what we would call more of an, a traditional type home, Whatever it is, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into a place of blessing where there's nice things in your home. Praise the Lord. This is really something you should think about, this statement I want to share with you. You really should ask God for the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself to, towards you through finances. Praise the Lord. It's a very exciting journey. It's a very exciting journey. Now, I know there's a lot of people, they're not interested in money. When I say people, I'm referring to Christians. They think it's not important. I think that's a very dangerous way of thinking. Remember, miracles are wonderful, but miracles are often to get you out of trouble. Wisdom is different. Wisdom will keep you from getting into trouble in the first place. Praise God. So while I'm all for miracles, and the Bible has a lot to say about miracles, you'll see that miracles often are to get people out of a very difficult bind. But so often the way that we live our daily lives, if we walk in wisdom, we will walk in so often in places where we don't need miracles. 
Hallelujah. Now, should you ever need one, God is able to do it, and you can use your faith. But I want you to really look to the Lord and talk to Him and just say, Lord, you know, I know you as my Savior, as my Lord, as my Redeemer. Many of you know Him as the Baptizer in the Holy Spirit. But just say, Lord, I, I'd really like to get to know you where you manifest to me through the area of finances. Praise the Lord. And some of you really need to see some real financial things come forth in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I'm not just talking about a one-time thing where maybe you got bailed out and that got you over the hump, and then you keep on going and you praise God for it. But I'm just talking where, you know, you see the Lord blessing you. Hallelujah. Now, there are Christians, some that don't have any interest in this. And for whatever reason, and often that, uh, that reason would be ignorance, they're just, you know, wanting to go through life knowing that one day they're going to get to heaven and they will see the streets of gold and they will have the fullness of prosperity. But I tell you what, money can create the most enjoyable experiences for people. And when you have the overflow, you are in the position to bring joy and blessing into the lives of others. And there, there are very few things that are on that realm of joy manifesting in your heart when you are able to bless others in need or do something special for somebody. They can't do it and be able to step in there. Wow, I tell you what. That is one of the highest levels of living. So believe God for wealth and riches in your house. And you can also use that as a, as a scriptural promise to believe God for your own home. Don't let this thing of home ownership throw you by thinking or verbally saying, I can never get a down payment. Uh, you know, and people may say, well, Pastor Stephen, I can't, I can't pull together 20% down or or, you know, I know in some countries they require more. In, in Germany, they require 40% down. So, you know, banks are different. But they're going to, before they're going to give you a loan, they're going to want some money down. But don't look at that and say, oh, I, I could never do that. I could never pull together $80,000. I'll never own a home. My friends, just believe God that He can bless you to get into a house and then into ownership. There's a, there's a million different ways He can do it. But however he's going to do it, it starts with you using your faith that I also can own a home. Praise God. Think about it like this. While apartments are nice and renting and leasing is nice, think of it like this. There are yet still hundreds of millions of people that own homes. If they can, why can't you? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And a lot of people that own homes, they don't even serve the Lord or know the Lord. But you have a covenant with God. And I'm here to say that there can be wealth and riches in your uh, place of residence and that your residence also can be a house. Praise the Lord. This is not really in my notes. I'm just kind of floating along here in the Holy Spirit. But I did a study one time. I've never taught on it. Maybe sometime I will. Of all the prophets and the men of God, and the Lord Himself, who owned their own homes. It's incredible. They all had homes. It's phenomenal. Well, Pastor Stephen, Jesus never had anywhere to lay His head. He said, foxes, you know, they've got their little, little holes in the ground, and the birds, they have their little nest. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. Well, how come when the two disciples of John the Baptist 
went up to, jo uh, went up to Jesus for the first time and uh, wanted to get the meeting, uh, uh, how come Jesus didn't tell them, uh, foxes have holes and uh, birds have nests, I don't have anywhere to go, so don't talk to me. He said, no. He said, come with me to my home. He said, come with me. And they, he, they went to his house. Praise the Lord. The reason Jesus said that about not having anywhere to lay his head was because a certain town that he was wanting to minister in, they rejected him. They said, we don't want you here. And so Jesus didn't force it. He, he, you know, there's other places he can go. But back in those days, you know, if you're outside the city gates at night and the, the leadership doesn't want you to come in, they've barred you from coming in. It's a long way from someone somewhere else. So what does that mean? It means you're going to have to sleep outside. Just roll out the sleeping bag. And uh, that's the way it is sometimes. Uh, and he encountered that. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But that didn't mean that in the normal course of operating, when he wasn't out itinerating and on, on ministry, it doesn't mean that he came home and just lived under a tree. No, he, he had a house. And so, so many of the prophets had a home. And so many of the, even the New Testament saints had a home. God wants you to have a home. I can't, I can't get away from this. Praise the Lord. Watch this. He wants you to have a home in a safe place. In a, night, in, in a nice place. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess I'll just have, have, have to get a home where I can afford. I'll get one in the ghetto. No, God can get you a nice home. I'm not saying that you need to move to Beverly Hills. But I'm saying that in the area of where you live, God can help you get, he can help you get into a nice home. You're going to have to use your faith. Praise God. Use your faith to get into a nice home. Praise God for the apartment that you're in. You know, I, I used to lease and things like that. I've been through that. I remember the one time I was leasing a home. Me and my wife were leasing the home, and I just kept taking good care of it. We took good care of it. We did a lot of things that as tenants were not required to do. And so, you know, I, I did all kinds of uh, landscaping and just made the place beautiful. I'll never forget the day, uh, as long as I live. I'll never forget the day when the landlord came into my office, my ministry office, and she walked in and said, Stephen, God told me to give you my home. Woo, can you imagine that? See, a lot of people, they'll rent, they'll lease, they'll like, well, who cares? It's not mine. They'll tear it up, throw all, all kinds of things down the toilet that are not supposed to go down there, clog piping up and uh, do all kinds of things and pour all the coffee grounds down the kitchen drain sink and clog it up and, you know, uh, just do all kinds of things to let it run down. But you know what? God, he'll make a way for you. All you need is you and the Lord. That's all you need. You need the Lord and you need to be in faith and God can get you into a house and get you the home ownership. Praise the Lord. And if you really take this to heart, Psalm 112 verse three, you'll be moving on up. I'll tell you that you sure will. The least you can do is go out and drive around and look. Go, go around and look. What's on the market? What's for sale? What's available? Where, what kind of a price range is, does my faith feel comfortable at? Praise the Lord. And then just, you know, pray and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I would really like to know you in a way where you manifest yourself to me through finances towards home ownership. you know. So talk to the Lord like that. And you'll see that God can get you into a house that you own. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, let's honor the Lord today 
by bringing the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse. And as we do this, we are in financial covenant with God. And I believe that God will release His best blessings into your life. Hallelujah. Let the Lord work on your behalf to do wonderful things in your life. Praise God. Now, as you're bringing the tithe and offering in, remember that the tithe is 10% of all of your gross income. The 10%, the tithe, it belongs to the Lord. And as we honor Him with the tithe, He blesses the 90% and does uh, the supernatural blessing for us and does more with the 90 than we could ever do with the 100. Praise God. And special offerings also are seeds that you can sow that God will multiply and bring a harvest back into your life. Praise God. Now, if you prefer to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code 28654. If you'd like to bring the tithes and offerings in online, it's very safe, highly encrypted, and secure. Please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage. It's a red, uh, it's a red tab, and it says Give. And you can click on that link, and it will take you to the options of how you can give on your tithes and offerings. You can bring it right into the ministry storehouse. Praise God. And as you do, as you do, whether you're giving a check by mail, mailing a money order or something like that, cashier's check or however you like to do that, or whether you're giving online, make a little notation and put Psalm 112 verse 3. Just write that on the little memo. Write that on the little note. I'd like to see that. Praise God. And watch what God will do for you. And then, of course, once you get into a home, then you can make it the way you like it. Oh, I, I don't like it, Pastor Stephen. There's no home out there that I, I like. Well, you can, you can change that. You can at least get into ownership and then change the paint. Uh, you know, change, change, you can change all kinds of things, change the, the faucets, change the lights, you know, make it the way that you want it, but get into it first. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And then you can also believe God and use your faith to get it all paid off. Have a debt free home. Praise God. So let's believe God for his word and for great things to take place because he will perform his word in the lives of those who hold on to his word and believe it. Praise God. Father, bless your people as they're bringing the tithes and offerings right now into the storehouse. Father, bless them with home ownership. Bless them with all bills paid. Bless them always, always, always to be in overflow mode where they always have something to give. And even let them be in the place of a lender should they need to do that in special circumstances. We give you all of the praise. Thank you, Father, for the overflow working. In the lives of your people, I speak your blessing of prosperity and increase over their lives in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Now today, we're very close to a psalm that I, I would like to teach from. And this is going to be Psalm 84. Praise God. I would say probably one of the most beautiful psalms in the Bible. I think most people would go to Psalm 23 for the ultimate classic beautiful psalm. But I'll tell you what, Psalm 84, uh, there's some statements made in here that are really um, 
it's it's uh, just represents a beautiful walk with God. And this psalm represents understanding the deeper walk with God. And we want to look at this today. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to be in Psalm 84 and let's open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It is spiritual food for us. It nourishes us and we cannot live without it. So that as we now consume this spiritual meal, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scripture so that we have understanding of what it is that we are eating. And so that faith will arise in our hearts and that we will move forward in the will and the plan that you have for our life in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Now, Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So the psalmist is indicating his great love of being in what we would call the house of God there at the tabernacle. And the, the tabernacle was originally built by Moses who received the instructions and the layout for it from the Lord during his experience up on the mountain for 40 days while he was up there in fellowship with God. He came down off the mountain and then they began to uh, implement the, the plan to build this beautiful structure called the tabernacle. Now, later, when David was king, the tabernacle system was a little bit different. And you could say in some ways it was almost like the Ark of the Covenant and the, furnishing, the, the furnishings in the tabernacle. They were almost like mobile, praise the Lord, for, for a while. For about 400 years, the Ark was in Shiloh. And then, you know, it, it kind of got moved here or there. But we see the love that these, these men, these women had for just being around the presence of the Lord, what they would call the tabernacle, the place of meeting. But even in this same psalm towards the end, particularly verse 12, it says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. That gives an understanding that the psalmist knows it's more than just being in the house of God. It's more than just being in the presence of the Lord. That's wonderful. But that alone is not enough to really lock you in into the deeper walk. You're going to have to still walk away from the whole thing believing where your trust is really in the Lord. Uh, as marvelous as it is to sit in the tabernacle and to enjoy the presence of the Lord, still you must trust God. Hallelujah. Even even when perhaps you're not in that tabernacle, maybe you're, you know, maybe you don't live in Jerusalem and, and you live somewhere else back in the Old Testament, far away from the Ark of the Covenant. Well, until it's time for the next feast and the next pilgrimage up to there, you're going to have to stay in faith right where you're at. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to drop down to verse five. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart, whose heart is set on pilgrimage, an understanding within your heart that you're a pilgrim. You're just passing through. You're on a journey, and the journey itself has a purpose. And the journey can have different levels of experience. We see a little bit about that in the next verse. 
as they pass through. I think it's very important to take a pen and underline the two words, pass through. Because for some Christians, they have camped. They have literally pitched tent and said, I can never get over this. This certain event is too hard for me to deal with. And they camp in a place that was supposed to be something that was a learning experience and learn it and then move on. But for whatever reason, maybe they got offended. Maybe they got bitter. But they stayed in the valley of Baca. I remember I had a church member and something happened to this church member where something offended him. I don't know who, I don't know what, I don't know what caused him to become bitter. But something happened to him where he, he was bitter and he had a bad, he had a bad attitude. And I'm not sure what it was. I asked him one time, I said, brother, I said, something has obviously upset you. I said, what's wrong? I said, did I do anything to upset you? Has something happened in the church? Was something wrong? I, you, you seem offended. Oh, no, Pastor Stephen, everything's fine. Well, the way he said it and the way he was acting and the, the great change of his, uh, his countenance told me that well, something was wrong. He just wasn't going to admit it. Well, I don't know what it was. But I, re I remember that we brought a prophet to send the minister. She's a friend of mine. She's from California. But when I heard that she was close by, I said, hey, let's, let's connect. And uh, since you're close by, come speak for me on Sunday morning. I'll let you just, you know, take the service. And she said, okay. And so because she, uh, she's a prophetess, so I knew that because uh, I've seen her minister before. I know what she's going to do. She's going to preach and teach a message. And she's probably going to talk for about 40 minutes. Then she's going to finish, but she's not done. Then she's going to begin to minister to the people personally. Well, uh, that's exactly what she did. She taught for about 40 minutes, and then she stopped and said, okay. And the message was great, but it's time for part B. She said, now I want to minister prophetically. The Lord is showing me some things. And she began to minister very accurately to people. And everybody's happy and getting blessed. And then she looked at that man that I was just telling you about. She looked at that brother. And she said, sir, the Lord says that you have taken offense and that you need to forgive it and forget it and go on. But you are very, very offended. And the Lord can't bless you as long as you're in this state of bitterness and unforgiveness. And oh, did he ever get upset? How dare you? You know, and um, but this is a veteran prophetess. So uh, she's had a lot of uh, stuff kind of thrown at her so she doesn't get moved when somebody you know gets their feathers ruffled that's all a part of, of beautiful maturity in the ministry but she was right on and you know what I didn't tell her anything as a matter of fact I was if I'm correct I wasn't even there this is what I was told afterwards by my wife uh, who saw this dear friend of ours minister uh, but she was right and uh, this person just uh, he would never let it go he camped in the valley of Baca he just camped there and something threw him for a spin and um, you know he, he, he passed away not too long ago and but he just uh, he would never open his heart to me to you know uh, share what was wrong I, I, he it seemed like he delighted in carrying an offense but we can't be like that you're staying in that valley of sorrow, the valley of the valley of crying or the valley of weeping, but we're supposed to go through it and not only go through it. It says as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it 
with pools. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. They pass through the valley of Baca. By the way, it's kind of funny. Uh, it, and that's often the case when people get offended or something upsets them. And then they, you know, they, they hold this grudge or whatever. Usually, uh, it, that's, go, that's, a, that's a young, immature believer that's going to do that. And so because that's, that's fitting that, that, uh, that mold, usually the reason of what offended them is also pretty stupid. And he never told me why he was upset. But I think what upset him was that uh, his wife, who was not a spiritual person, she wanted to be spiritual. And uh, she, she was always wanting something supernatural to happen. His wife was. And to her, it never happened. So one day in a prayer meeting, one of the young people in the church uh, slipped up behind her during the prayer meeting and tapped her on the shoulder. This is a little child did this. I didn't know about this till later. The little child tapped her on the shoulder, and then the little child went and hid. And so when she turns around, there's nobody there. She thought an angel did it. So she turns back around, and uh, she tries to keep on praying. And the little child comes up behind her again, taps her on the shoulder, and then the little kid runs off real quick. So she turns around. There's nobody there. Well, that happened three times, and she thought, she thought that was an angel. And uh, boy, was she ever. I've had an encounter. I've had a supernatural encounter. Well, her husband, the one that uh, uh, camped in the valley, of Baca, he saw that happen and he got upset that the little child had done that and although uh, he never said yeah that's really what's bothering me he uh, he, he just uh, he never let it go but I thought that's that's the funniest thing because he had to tell his wife I think he told his wife hey it wasn't an angel it's this little kid over here <laughs> you know poking you on the back kind of like having having a, a good laugh off of your um, uh, you know just not being able to see what's going on Praise the Lord. So usually when there are these offenses, quite often it's something very juvenile or, or silly that should just be let go. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it a spring. You should be able to just say, oh, you know what? Maybe that person had a bad day. That person that spoke those awful words, the only reason they would do that is they're probably, they're probably uh, miserable. I was when did this happen? This happened a couple of years back when I was at a particular coffee shop and a lady walked in to get a coffee and she looked frazzled and she looked really and she was rushed. Hurry up. I want my coffee. And uh, she was really kind of like uh, just wanting to get a coffee and run. I'm sitting towards the back of the of the coffee area. So, you know, there's a sitting area so I could I could see what was going on. This was a ways for me. And so she wants her coffee. She's very worked up. And then the door opened again, the entrance door, and a big man walked in. And he saw that lady there. And that man exploded in rage. He said, you took my parking spot on purpose. You saw that I was backing up into that place. And I had to back slow. He said, because I've got a big truck. And you had that little car. And you came in there knowing I was trying to park there. And you took my parking spot. And he verbally just unloaded on her like, with like a tirade. And... Um, it, it wasn't physical. It was he wasn't going to get violent, but he was he was hot and uh, and she never apologized. She never said she's sorry. So it kind of like created this great atmosphere of agitation to the point where uh, the manager of the place had to step out real quick and say, sir. Okay, you've already verbally blasted her. Uh, that's that's good enough. You, you know, uh, you obviously wanted to vent. So you've done it now. Now, please leave. 
and and so this big guy was like hey you know I, I can fight you too and uh so it was starting to go downhill it looked like pretty quick so i just started praying lord just just to help him get out of here and dissolve this and he turned around and left but you know if you find yourself going through the valley of baca and you're weeping let it be a learning experience you know, the lady, she got her coffee after being publicly humiliated by all the people that were in the coffee shop who saw that. And, um, you know, small, small town, so, you know, everybody saw that happen. So she gets her coffee, she goes and, and leaves. You know, maybe she wept. Maybe she cried. But you know what? You could, you could get back in your car, drink your coffee, and say, you Lord, uh, say, Lord, you know, I did cut that person off. That person was probably having a really bad day. <laughs> Obviously so. I mean, if you lose... A parking spot, that's no big deal. Who cares what would cause a, per, a person to trigger like that? Well, there's people out there that are like that. And I have, I have found that sometimes the Lord will turn them loose. Not that he's, not that he's uh, working through that person to be mean or nasty, but the Lord will allow these people sometimes to be, uh, I call them like buzz saws. He uses them as crude, rough teaching instruments for the Christians that just don't get it. Because the lady that, that took his parking spot was a Christian, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, prophetic person. Uh, she went to another church here in town that's a prophetic church. And so, you know, she's going to get that spot no matter what. Well, maybe she needed a little uh, verbally, uh, verbal straightening out. I'm not saying it should have been the way that he did it. Uh, but um, for people that are real crude and real stubborn and... Uh, don't go through the simple teaching process that the Lord would require. Well, well, he's got like donkey type experiences for them. And there are the donkeys out there that are very happy to step in and teach should they be called upon. Should you take their parking spot? <laughs> should you cut them off in traffic? They're out there, trust me. So you want to honor the Lord, live for the Lord, and should something like that happen, well, don't just camp there. Well, that, that person said that about me and hurt my feelings and made me look bad. Well, you know, just forgive. Just forgive and turn that experience into a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. Praise God. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. I got up out of my seat one time on the airplane, and I was in front of another person. And when I got up, another person got up, and he grabbed his, uh, you know, carry-on bag, and he pushed past me, and he started pushing past all kinds of people. And when he started pushing past me, I just let him go. Well, that's cutting in line. Yeah, but I'm not in a hurry. Maybe he's got a flight to catch. Not that that justifies doing that to me or others. It was very rude, but he was just pushing. He's going to get through, and uh, he probably did have another flight to catch, but it was just real, real rude, real nasty. But when I, I just kind of leaned back, letting go on by, and the stewardess said, thank you for doing that. I said, yeah, no, I said, no problem. It's, it's Okay. Praise God. See, the guy that did that, eventually, he's going to run into the bus saws that are out there. They're out there. They're the teachers. They're the donkey teachers. <laughs> and they teach the other donkeys that quite haven't learned these things in life. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But these teaching experiences, my friends, they're invaluable. They're invaluable. And so, 
because of that, the valley of Baca, the valley of sorrows, when you turn it from weeping and you forgive and you turn it into joy and you turn it into a learning experience, what happens? You go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Lord is the master teacher. He'll teach you when you're walking with him right. He'll teach you so beautifully. But he'll also teach you if you're being stubborn. He'll still teach you, but he'll, he's going to use a different format. And if you're being rebellious, he'll keep on teaching you, but he's going to use a totally different format. And the instructors are different. You want to be instructed by the word, by the spirit, by sweet people that God puts in your life. If you don't choose that method of instruction, God can use very difficult circumstances to develop you and to mold into you the image of Christ despite the great resistance. Who praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My friends, don't ever camp in a valley of Baca experience. It says pass through. You're supposed to pass through. And when you do, you're going to come out on the other side stronger than you were before. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to the book of Job. Job chapter 1. Here we have another experience of an individual who's going to go through a valley of Baca. And this is a serious valley of Baca, a serious valley of weeping, a valley of not understanding why is this happening to me, not understanding that behind the scenes there has been this cosmic throwdown of the gauntlet. God's man is standing before the eyes of the Lord and before the eyes of Satan and the demons are watching the angels are watching and God has put all of his all of his weight all of his trust behind this man to hold to his integrity and God was right Job came through but what a very very difficult time Job chapter 1 verse 7 and the Lord said to Satan from where do you come so Satan answered the Lord and said from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, by the way, some people think that Satan somehow went up to heaven, and now here is Satan who's already been kicked out of heaven. Here he is again back in heaven having a conversation with the Lord. Uh, remember context. It never says that this took place in heaven. So the Lord was not in heaven when this conversation that took place. There's a lot of areas to meet, not uh, outside of heaven itself. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Would you dare to put your name in there? Could the Lord say the same thing about you? Oh, I'm not saying that a trial would suddenly befall you or that you would go through something difficult or have a, an experience there in the Valley of Baca, but should that take place? Could you put your name here? Have you considered my servant? Put your name there. That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Praise the Lord. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Verse 11, but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. 
And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. The Lord actually allows Satan to increase the intensity of difficulty to where it's boiling. Even uh, maybe that's a pun on words because God is going to open the gate of access wider to the enemy to come in and tempt, test, and try Job. And he is going to get boils, which were very, very painful. Job chapter 2, verse 5. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. Wow. So Satan now has the ability to take Job right down to uh, the wrestling mat and wrestle him and pin him and get him to a place literally where it looks like he's going to die, where he's lost everything. Technically, up to this point, in so many ways he has. He's lost his family. All of his children have been killed. He's lost all of his great wealth. It's all completely gone. And now his body is going to be severely afflicted. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Praise the Lord. There's a particular minister here in America. I really love him. He's a great teacher. Great man of God. He's in his 70s now. When he was two years old, Satan attacked his life when he was just a child. And doctors could not explain why what was happening to him was happening. And they couldn't stop it. They couldn't figure it out. As a two-year-old child, he was eaten up with worms. He said that later on when he grew up, his mother told him that on one day alone, she counted over 600 worms that came out of his mouth. He was eaten up with worms. And they take him to the doctor, and the doctors would say, they examined, they said, we don't know what's causing these germs. Give, you know, give him all the antibiotics and all the medicines they had. Nothing's doing anything. The worms are keep multiplying. So if the mother held the baby uh, to her chest, the, uh, the worms were even coming out of his mouth, getting on her. It was, it was demonic. It was disgusting. And the father, who was a pastor, a man of God, and this is his son, two years old, sees his son eaten up with worms. Doctors can't do anything. There's no explanation for it. He said, I'm going to pray for my son. And if I have to, I'm going to pray all night. And I'm going to see him delivered. Now, the father was a spirit-filled minister, man of God himself. And he went in the prayer. He went in the prayer seeking God. And during that time of prayer, the Lord Jesus gave him a vision. And in the vision, he saw his two-year-old son in the arms of Satan. And Satan was holding his little boy. And it was Satan imparting all of those worms in, into him. But in the vision, the man of God saw Jesus walk into the scene, walk over the Satan, take the little child, his son, out of the hands of Satan, and walk away with the little child. And at that point, he knew his son had been delivered. And sure enough, the next day, 
the worms just begin to vanish, 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 gone. No more worms. No more worms. Praise God. There can be times when the enemy comes and he can really, he can really bring the heat. And you feel like, Lord, uh, have you abandoned me? Now we know that he hasn't. But you can reach low points in your life, such as Job or those who understood the Valley of Baca experience that we've looked at. And you think, Lord, where are you? Why are you allowing this? Lord, what's going on? My friends, you must pray. You must seek the Lord. And the Lord will come in there. If there's something that the devil's doing, the Lord will come in there and he'll drive the enemy out. There can be other times also where the Lord allows a testing so that you can draw near to him and learn his ways. Praise God. And through all of these experiences, we can learn more of the ways of God. And so, Job, he later learned that, ah, this was the devil that was doing all of these bad things to me. It's not God. Well, did God allow it? In this case, he did. But remember, he still kept Satan on a leash. He had a long leash. And he was able to do some bad stuff to Job, but God said, you can't kill him. You cannot take his life. And God basically was saying, I'm only allowing you to do this for a proving point of my faithfulness. Now, the story was so phenomenal, and it's so important to understand, go through the Valley of Baca. Don't camp. Keep moving. The story is so important that it was put into the Bible. It's the inspired Word of God. And for thousands of years, it has been one of the most studied books in the Bible. But if Job would have camped there, he never would have gotten out to have seen the conclusion of the matter, to have the veil pulled back and, and then see, oh, that what was going, that's what was taking place. This was a, a battle between God and Satan over who's going to serve who. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Pastor Stephen. If I keep on going, what awaits me? Restoration, blessing, joy, deeper walk with God, deeper understanding of God, and also great refreshing. And that refreshing can come in many, many different ways. Job 42, verse 10, and the Lord restored Job's losses. When he prayed for his friends, that denotes forgiveness because his friends said a lot of things. They had good, they had good intent. But it didn't fit. It came out wrong. Uh, a lot of the things they said uh, were accusatory. Basically, Job, you've obviously done a lot of sinning. There's things we've never known about. You've been doing. This is why this has happened to you. So they falsely accused him, but he forgave them. And the Lord restored Job's losses. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why don't camp. In the valley of weeping, keep on moving, keep on moving, get out of that. While you're there, it's difficult, turn it into something beautiful, turn it into a spring, let water come, let your tears have a purpose, water the earth, let beautiful things come up, but keep on moving, keep on moving, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, and let there be restoration. Verse 12, now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Praise the Lord. By the way, that, that two-year-old child that was healed from the worms grew up. 
to become a great man of God who has printed and distributed over 23 million Bibles and has done many other things to preach and extend the gospel all around the world. Thank you, Lord. I'm so glad that his father prayed for his son and didn't just say, well, you know, this is not right. God shouldn't have let this happen to me. You know, here I am living holy, planting churches and, and preaching, and suddenly I've got this mess on my hands. This is not right. He could have become offended and could have pitched a tent and camped. The son would have died. But you know what? He kept a good heart. The whole time, the whole time that father was praying for his son, who was eaten up with worms, and the doctor said, we can't stop it. There's nothing we can do about it. We have no medical explanation for it. The whole time the father was praying for his son, he was praying, and he kept on saying, Lord, you are a good God. You are a good God. You are a good God. If you can say that in the Valley of Baca, then, then the Lord's intent is being carried out. You may cry while you're saying it because it is called the Valley of Tears. That's what that means, Valley of Sorrows. But if you, if you can say in the valley, Lord, you are a good God. Lord, you are a good God. Praise God. Then there's a miracle on the way. There is a solution. There is a way out. And God will reveal himself to you. Praise God. Hallelujah. By the way, Trouble doesn't always last. Difficult times, pressure cooker scenarios, whether you're in the Valley of Baca, um, often those are testing periods. God doesn't even want your whole life to be a Valley of Baca experience. By no means does he want it to be your whole life. It's, it could be something that goes two months. Maybe it could go nine months or something like that. Most theologians agree. It's, it's a consensus. They agree that the experience of Job here in the Bible, this experience could not have been longer than nine months. Now, some Christians read it and they think this was Job's whole life. No, just a sliver of his life. But the sliver was so important that it was put into the eternal word of God. If you're ever tested and you have a valley of Baca that you have to go through for whatever reason. That's the route that God has for you. And you go through it. My friends, go, as you go through it, just say, God, you are a good God. You may not understand it all. Job certainly didn't. But that's not the point. The point is, is that you must live by faith. You must stay in faith. Faith has no feelings. We... Don't walk by sight or what we see. Well, looks like Pastor Stephen, God has abandoned us. Looks like we're all going to die. That, yes, is the way it looks, but we don't judge the outcome by the way it appears or else, yeah, it, it looks like certain death. We don't do that, though. We judge the outcome based upon our belief and faith in God's Word. And yes, it can be a severe trial at times, but those severe trials they're never meant to be a lifetime experience. They are short-lived, and you're going to come through it. What happens when you come through it? You will realize you've gone from one strength to a total new level of strength. Praise God. Now, here's a book that I've been reading. The, here's the only problem with this book. 
it's 475 pages. The problem is, is that it's so good, you don't want to stop reading it. But it's so big, uh, you know, it just keeps on going. And, and so that, that, that's a great problem to have. A book that's so good, you can hardly put it down. Uh, but it's also b so big that you, you can't quite finish it. You keep wanting to finish in it. You want to finish it, but it's so big you can't. Praise God. And maybe if you had an entire day, you could read it. I don't think you could read it in an entire day. It's too heavy. I'm not talking about the weight of the book because it's so big. I'm talking about the content. It's so intense. The book is called A Thousand Miles of Miracle in China. A thousand miles. Seems like it should say a thousand miles of miracles, but it says a thousand miles of miracle in China. It's by A.E. Glover. And I believe the A stands for Archie. Archie Glover. I'm sure you can get it online and you can download it into your iBooks or whatever format you use for uh, a tablet reading. But I would encourage you to get this as a book. You can never beat books. You know, books are great. Technology, software, all of that. You know, what's used today, 10 years today, will be a dinosaur. And who knows if it's all on that tablet or something like that, if it'll even work 10 years from now. But if you have the book, if you have the book, and it's always available, it's a blessing to you. And who knows who, who else might read it as they visit your home or something like that. But this book called A Thousand Miles of Miracle in China is the story of Mr. Glover, his wife, their two children, and another lady that worked with them. I think her name was Miss Gates. And they worked at a missionary outpost deep into China, inland China. And they got caught in the crossfires of the Boxer Rebellion. And in the Boxer Rebellion, I've talked about it before. It was in the early 1900s of China, from 1900 to 1930. And it was basically a government edict passed down from the Empress herself that said, kill all of the foreign invaders. And when she, she passed this edict, it was, it was mainly aimed at the American and the British uh, or whoever, wherever they're from. We had a lot from Europe, all, also from the Scandinavian countries. It meant kill every single missionary, no matter where they're at. Everybody, it, it, it went out to all China. Kill the missionaries. Kill them. And so it, it, it was persecution that was fierce. Over 50,000 missionaries were brutally killed, brutally killed. Well, Mr. Glover wasn't. If you want to read one of the most intense valleys of Baca that anybody could ever go through, this is a wonderful book because every time it looks like they're going to die. Oh, there's no way out of this one. They're all going to die. Now. They're going to die for sure now. God would deliver them. Now, they were in faith for deliverance because they're trying to get out of China. They're trying to escape. But from village to village, town to town, they were hunted. They were, they were captured over and over. And so many times, it's like certain death. But God got them through, got them through, got them through over and over and over again. And the book, it's a heavy book from the perspective of the depravity of what evil people do. Wicked people do of what unbelievers do when 
righteous government is not in the picture. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. And so very intense book. I would encourage you to read it. It would also help you to understand that persecution has been very normal to many Christians around the world. Now here in the Western church, we haven't, uh, particularly in America, we haven't faced what we would call physical persecution where you're, you're, you could be killed for your faith. But many others, even right now around the world, uh, uh, Pakistan, uh, North Korea, uh, you have to put your life totally on the line if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. But let me say this about this book. While it's 470-something pages long, and while it covers a journey of over a thousand miles and ongoing miracles and some of the most intense persecution you could imagine and whoo, awful stuff. You, I can't even explain it. You'd have to read it. So it's so intense. But the whole book covers a span of four months, four months, four months of the most intense persecution while being kept alive that I've, I've almost ever heard of. Mm-mm. Now remember, Job, nine months, not his whole life. Not, God doesn't design you to go something like that through your whole life. Your, your mind would snap. You'd lose your mind if that was just a yearly experience. Well, it's time for the yearly experience. We're all going to die again. All the kids are going to die. Uh, we're going to lose all of our money, and we're all going to get sick and get boils again. No, that, no, that only happened to Job once, and he got through it. He, he passed through the Valley of Baker. He got through it. And because he got through it, it's immortalized in the Word of God. Think about this. Four months of almost living hell. Suffering for being a Christian. Suffering for preaching the gospel to those lost in sin, perishing and dying in their sins. Four months, four months of the most intense persecution that you could ever imagine. But they got through it. Moral of the story is this. A hundred and twenty years later, we're still reading about it. A hundred and twenty years later, later, a minister in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, named Stephen Brooks, is reading this book a hundred and twenty years after it happened, and I'm reading something that only lasted four months, but it was so phenomenal that he turned his Valley of Baca into a place of beauty, and he came out of it, and he absolutely went from strength to strength. Mm -mm. passing through you are just passing through praise God and you're learning as you go hallelujah thank you Jesus intense times if you get through them there is reward and blessing for you on the other side and so often even the establishing of a legacy can happen even though you may not even notice Notice it. He may not even be aware of it, but coming through that in faith, the Lord will take that experience and it will bless the lives of many, many people. Hallelujah. I believe God is creating something very powerful in you, very strong in you, a very real witness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. One more scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, the Apostle Paul said, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. 
persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. People read that and they think, Pastor Stephen, I can't even comprehend the life of the Apostle Paul, his ministry, what he endured. First of all, when it was intense, as he's describing, you have to understand also there's grace and a presence of God that comes that holds you up. Somehow, when you feel like you're about to totally collapse, God can come and he'll get you through. He'll get you through. The word of the Lord will come. He'll get you through and on you go. But don't make the mistake of thinking that this is the way it was for Paul every day for every part of his life as a minister, because that would be incorrect. Let's continue. Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal Weight of glory. Praise God. Praise the Lord. He said our light affliction, which is but for a moment. People have taken the beatings of Paul, the imprisonments of Paul, the shipwrecks of Paul. They have taken those amazing stories and testimonies, and they have said it was like that for his life every single day until he died. No, that's not true. We know that when he, when he taught in the school of Tyrannius, that he taught there for two years. And he welcomed people, and he was teaching, and uh, uh, he, had, he had a wonderful teaching ministry going on there. And then people could come over and see him and things like that. So he's talking freely. So, no, he wasn't getting beat, beaten up. He wasn't getting mobbed. And, uh, you know, he, he had breaks. He had intermissions. God knows what you can take. He will not take you beyond a level that you cannot bear. Praise the Lord. The minister, Jesse DePlantis, who has many wonderful stories, he's full of the joy of the Lord. Jesse DePlantis talked about the special vision that he was granted by the Lord, in which he had a vision. He was, he was taken to heaven for five hours and 15 minutes. And he said he met many people there. He met King David. Of course, he met Jesus. It's all about the Lord Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He saw the father, but only from a distance, but he couldn't look up. He wasn't allowed to look up because of the glory. But he also met the apostle Paul and Paul told Jesse while he was in heaven that the church has taken verse 17 and where it says for a light affliction, which is but for a moment, he said they have taken it from a moment and they have made it a lifetime. And he told Jesse, take it and turn it back to a moment. See, there are many, they just, uh, they're just like camping in the valley of Baca. And sometimes life can be very challenging, very difficult. And you have to keep on going. And if you get through it, if you get through it, there'll be refreshing and blessing and the joy of the Lord going from strength to strength. But you must not just stop in the middle and say, I can't go any further. Maybe just for a moment. You may want to just take a little pause, but you're going to have to get back on track and keep on going. Praise God. Because the truth is, is that God staggers your life in a way where you may have one of those special moments where you pass through something extremely difficult. But just be aware, 
this will not last forever. This may, this may lift tomorrow, may be over with tomorrow. Hallelujah. Praise God. But you're still going to have to keep on going. Thank you, Jesus, because the Lord has blessing for you. For me, in ministry, there are times where things get so intense with, uh, there, it, it's like things collide together. Uh, maybe international travel, and maybe there could be one meeting that's uh, it's very, very pivotal that it go well because of souls and because of all the preparation and all the planning and all the hopes that are being put into that. And the enemy, of course, will be fighting that with everything he can, with all kinds of things to cause that not to go right. And it can be extremely demanding. I've had uh, times where I've been out on the road traveling internationally. And uh, there was one point in my life I reached such a place of depletion from having done so much ministry. I, really, I, I literally went around the entire planet ministering here, here, boom, boom, stop here, minister here, minister here. There was one time in one day where I went from one place to another place, uh, there in the morning, went to another place in the evening so I can go minister. There was a change in temperature of over 100 degrees. So my body clock and heat clock and biological clock and all of that, I went from a place in the morning of being cold and super cold, just trying to stay warm, to the evening where I was ministering at in a different place in the evening, a long ways away because I flew all day to get there. In the, in the evening, the pack of gum that I had that was still wrapped and completely sealed in the plastic wrap, when I opened it, it had turned completely the glue to goo uh, because of the severe humidity of where I was ministering at. So I have had times where I've been absolutely completely depleted of all human strength and then pile on top of that all of the things the devil's trying to do to cause havoc, to cause trouble, to cause car wrecks, to cause people to make mistakes and add some more crazy stuff on that. Driving in areas of undeveloped nations where the driver, for whatever reason, thinks that he's the next Mario Andretti race car driver and he is he's zipping around uh, curves where one false move, the drop, is straight down thousands and thousands of feet into a, a gorge with a vertical cliff, and there's no guardrails. And if we went off out in the middle of nowhere, nobody would even know. It, it, they might not find us for a year. <laughs> Praise God. In such times as that, you just sit back, and, and you may be totally wore out, and you just say, Lord, you're good. It's okay. It won't be like this always. It won't be like this always. Praise God. I know what it is to get on an airplane and be taken straight to the front. I know what it is to be on the airplane to go straight to the top. Uh, now, a lot of airlines are retiring to 747s, but on the 747, you have that upstairs suite. And that's where the first class would be at. I know what it's like to go up there, to be sent up there. I know what it's like to go to the front of the plane. I also know what it's like. When you pass the Valley of Baca and you get somewhere and everything goes totally wrong uh, in a, in a, on the other side of the planet in a country that is dangerous where you can't go to the bathroom or you come back in your luggage, it'll be gone. Everything will be gone. You have to watch everything and you're fatigued and your body aches and you want to go to sleep and you can't. You're not allowed to. You have to stay up because it's, it's, it's you, all eyes open. Dangerous stuff. I know what it's like to spend all nights in the airport. 
And I'm not talking like an airport at Dallas or DFW or JFK or, you know, Charles de Gaulle in, in Paris. I'm talking some airports out in the middle of nowhere in nations that are undeveloped where you go to the toilet. It's just a hole in the ground. That's all there. You, you can't wash your hands. You, you don't have anything like that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, uh, uh, what should we say? Well, we should just say you just pass through it. You don't you don't camp there. Hallelujah. Glory to, not, glory to God. Now, if I did camp there, I'm going to say, hey, we need to get a real toilet. Hallelujah. Let's get, let's get a toilet. Let's implement some sanitation here. Praise God. But for me, that's not my, my set place of where I'm supposed to be. So I, I know I'm just traveling through, pressing on. Praise God. But your whole life is a journey. Going where? Going to Zion. Going up the mountain of God. And it's a learning experience. You must not stop. You must keep going. Even through difficult experiences that can stretch you, stretch your mind, stretch your body, uh, stretch you in ways where you didn't think you could even go there. But I'll tell you, God will pull some things out of you and he'll let interesting things happen to you. I've told this story many times. Um, let me just mention it briefly. When I worked at a certain job, uh, this, this company was not, not just a Fortune 500 company. This is a top Fortune 50 company. And I worked this job, and we somehow got this manager that was evil. He was an evil manager, looked evil, uh, and he actually delighted in that, uh, used profanity, uh, listened to the most horrible, disgusting music, went way beyond acid rock. This, this, is, this stuff was really, really bad. He would play it. We, we got to listen to it. Some of the people didn't like it, but, you know, the sinners, they, they didn't care, though, that much. But I, I didn't like it. It's pure filth. And uh, he, he would give me a work schedule of things to do that uh, if I were Superman, maybe I could do it with superhuman ability. Uh, I could maybe do it. But outside of that, it was unrealistic. He wanted it done anyhow. Didn't want any excuses. And this, person's, uh, this person was relenting against me. Uh, uh, excuse me, unrelenting against me and anybody else in the department. And he, he almost broke full grown men. He almost made people's minds snap. And the craziest thing was we were, we were just like, we can't believe that the higher management is allowing this person to do this. This person has done so many things could get fired so easily. And maybe today he could because people today, they're going to carry their phone. They're going to leave their phone on and you can capture somebody doing some of these awful things. He, he did crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. And um, uh, just a very wicked person. But you know what? The Lord wouldn't remove him. And the Lord kept him there. And that person, because of that demand and pressure, he brought a level of productivity out of me that I didn't even knew, know existed. And I, I began to see that God was doing something through this wicked man to... To bring me to a higher level and it did it did because he had he had the energy uh, I don't know what was creating it um, but he, he had a, he had an energy that just uh, it's like somebody living on Red Bull and monster energy drinks he's just wired all the time and when his shift was over he wouldn't leave he'd keep on working off the clock uh, technically that was wrong but he, he didn't care he guess he just was driven driven and he was driving us too, driving us hard. God wouldn't get rid of him. But the day I got the victory in my heart concerning that guy, and I just prayed for him, and I felt a great love for him because he didn't know the Lord. 
it wasn't long after that the day I really got the victory and he couldn't he couldn't irritate me or anything like that I just you know the day I knew I'd won in my spirit with such peace and love for him was the day he got fired and he was fired on the spot taken out and that was a wrap but I, I received what I needed praise the Lord was that a valley of Baca yes how long did it last about about four months four months of just walking in the work with absolute dread and having to go into work if you're not prayed up you're going to get just um you're going to get steamrolled so whoo praise the lord should a should a job be like that oh no but sometimes things happen and i, I couldn't control it and i couldn't do anything about it well i'm going to go talk to management we're going to get him removed pastor steve or you can go talk to him they wouldn't do anything and uh, so I just pressed on through, pressed on through, got to the other side, and there was blessing. Well, Pastor Stephen, is, is life like that now? Are you under a slave driving position? No. See, it's not always like that. Remember, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it's working for us, working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Knowing what? Knowing the ways of God. Knowing the ways of God, learning those things where you learn a lot in the valley. That doesn't mean you can't learn on the mountaintop or just on the daily walk, but you'll, you'll learn a lot in the valley. There's no question about it. So I would say turn that valley into a beautiful place. Let the learning experience be something that you could say, Lord, I've got it. Oh, and Lord, by the way, I think I've learned it really well. I would like to never go through anything else like that ever again. Praise God. And you know what? I haven't. And you'll find out that's usually the way it is. Job never went through any time ever like that again. It didn't, it didn't happen. God didn't ask him to do it. But you take that experience, you learn. Praise God. And you keep on going. Hallelujah. Some of you have learned some things. You'll never pass that way again. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we just thank you that there's going to be a good report. We thank you for the conclusion of a matter. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you for the taste of sweet victory. Thank you, Father God, for your people pressing on, pressing through. Father, we thank you that Paul the Apostle didn't quit. He didn't camp in Baker and say, this is too hard. Lord, I've got myself shipwrecked and uh, I don't have Pizza Hut tonight or Domino's. I'm out here in the middle of the Mediterranean floating around. Lord, this, I, this is not the way it's supposed to go. But Lord, you were working in him a far more exceeding weight and eternal, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And you're working that also into your people. And we thank you that should anybody that's listening to me, Father, anybody that's listening to me that would be right now in the Valley of Baca, Anybody that would be in that place where they're hard-pressed on every side, and they can feel it, but yet they're not crushed. Father, anybody that would be to a place mentally where they're even perplexed about what they're facing, Father, I thank you that they can also be in comfort that they're not in despair. But Father, should they even be perse persecuted or even struck down, I thank you, Father God, that you never abandon your people, but you're always there. 
So, Father, strengthen your people. Anybody going through the Valley of Baca, help them to come through it. Help them to come through it. Those that go through, that go through, help them to go through it. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Father, we give you praise. I thank you there's victory on the other side. And the other side's a lot closer than what they think. It's a whole lot closer than what they think. And things are going to get a lot easier for them. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, that the conclusion of a matter is better than the beginning. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord. Glory. The Holy Spirit's moving right now. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Just like the Apostle Paul, you had to get him to Rome to appear before Caesar to witness to the most powerful political figure in the world. I thank you, Father God, that you got him through despite all the difficulties and valleys he passed through. And Father, you're going to get your people through also. Glory. And you're going to get them positioned right where you want them to be in their set assignment. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm seeing David right now. You have to understand David was hunted. If you've never had somebody threaten your life or try to take your life, it's hard to read these stories and understand what they were going through. David was hunted. Saul was on the other side of the mountain with his men circling, trying to catch up with David and his small group, and they are catching up, and it looked like certain death. Wow. What does that feel like? Some of those things, I haven't had those direct experiences. But there can be these times where you, ha- you feel it. Mm-mm. But know that no matter what you're going through, God's with you. Hallelujah. And if he's got to do a thousand miracles over a thousand miles like he did for Mr. Glover, he'll do it for you too. But don't stop. Stay in faith and keep on moving. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 84 concluded by saying in verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. If you're going through the valley of Baca, stay in faith. In faith in what? God's word. Keep trusting God. He's still there. He's still there. One of the greatest encounters with the Lord that I ever had in my life was when I went through an intense trial for two months that was so intense and that didn't make any sense in the natural. Well, I know why now. It's because of the devil doing a bunch of goofy stuff behind the scenes causing these circumstances to confront me, to be up against me. But the Lord came to me and he stepped inside of me and we went down to the very depth of the foundation of my spirit of who Stephen Brooks really is. It was like getting into an elevator and we went down. We didn't go up. We went down, started at my top and went down. You're very large on the inside. You have no idea how big you are on the inside. I'm not talking about your height and feet and inches. I'm talking about your spiritual, your spiritual capacity, because it says that God gave Solomon largeness of heart on the inside. He had 
all of this uh, creativity and ingenuity on the inside of him. You're gigantic in your spirit. Well, in my spirit, the Lord stepped into me and we began to go down in me. And when we got to the very depth, to the, to the bedrock of, the, of my spirit, of who I am, we stepped out of the elevator and then we stood literally, it looked like on rock. It looked like um, on the bottom of the ocean floor, there's rock. Sometimes there could be some sand on top of it, but if you just move it away, there's rock. And many times you can just see the rock. So we got down to the bedrock of me, and we stepped out of the elevator. We stepped onto that stone, and the Lord pointed to a billboard inside of me. It came up. I could read the letters on it, and it said, it said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And the Lord said, what are you going to do about that? Whew. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It all comes down to trust. Whether you're on the mountaintop, having something supernaturally wonderful, or just like, hey, you know, you got a gigantic raise, or you sold something, or everything's going great. Or just maybe it's just normal, what we would call everyday living, or the valleys that we don't prefer to go through, but they're going to be there. Praise God. No matter where you're at, you're still going to have to trust God if you want to go forward. And I'm here to say that you can make some of the biggest strides through valley experiences. You can make some of the most amazing learning experiences in the valley when all of that pressure and all of these what we would call overwhelming odds come on you to a point you feel like you're crushed and you even despair of life. You, you even wonder if you're going to live. Mm, mm, mm. Praise God. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. He's always with you, and he's going to get you through. So get up and keep on going because good times, really good times, are just right around the corner. Father, bless your people. Let this word be sealed in their spirit that they always hold to you on the mountain or in the valley or wherever they might be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, I've slept in hotel rooms with blood on the wall. I've slept in rooms before that... Uh, I don't even know if I'd call it a room, really. I might as well have slept outside. Bugs crawling all over the wall. And the, the sheets, if we could call them that, covered with creepy crawly things. And you know what? That was the only option I had. There was no other option. Just lay that, that or lay on the dirt. So, you know what? You keep on going. And I've had other times. Pastor Stephen, welcome to Seoul, Korea. Uh, you're staying at the Grand Ambassador Hotel. We have you in one of the executive suites. Okay. Woo. Praise the Lord. Hey, that's nice. Hallelujah. It is what it is. Wherever you're at, keep on praising the Lord and keep on trusting the Lord. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. If you're watching this message today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
But the Holy Spirit's working on your heart, tugging on your heart. Right now, let's get your right. Let's get your life right with God. Make that decision right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you died for my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash my sins away. Give me your new life. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, from this day forward, take control of my life and lead me and guide me in the path that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. And those of you that have prayed the sinner's prayer, I would love to hear from you. Please email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. Praise God. Now, let's take Holy Communion together. Glory to the Lord. Grab a little wafer and some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the grape juice, the bread. We pray over it and set it apart as holy. This is now the body and the blood of Christ our Savior. Thank you, Father, as we receive the body of Jesus. We just say that we trust your word and that should there be any hardship, we thank you that it's not permanent, it's only temporary. And so, Lord, let us learn from it while we're going through it. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Hallelujah. Have you ever been so far from civilization or what we would call modern stuff that the only way you could brush your teeth was brushing with Coca-Cola? You ever done that? I've done that. Because Coca-Cola is all over the place. If the water is infected with disease, uh, you can get dysentery, so you can't drink the water, and there's nothing else. Oh, there's Coca-Cola. So you drink the Coca-Cola, and you also take the Coca-Cola, and you brush your teeth with it with the toothbrush at the same time. Or, or you're also not going to be able to brush them at all. Mm, I've been in places like that. For not, not an overnighter either. For extended periods of time. I've been in places where they say, be careful. Pastor Stephen, if, that, if this particular fly lands on you and stays on you just for a few seconds, it will lay eggs. The eggs are so microscopic and small, they go right through your skin. And then worms will develop and break out in your body. Don't let that fly land on you. Well, what does it look like? <laughs> I've been in places like that. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that, the real stuff, real threats too. The, the, the natives know about it, but they're also aware of it. But for me, you know, that's, you know, I don't, we, we don't have a fly like that in North Carolina. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. But see, I was also just passing through. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that the main thing is that we're all pilgrims and we're all just passing through on our way to heaven, that our citizenship is of heaven, and one day we will be there. Father, we thank you. We praise you for teaching us along the way. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. If any sins have been committed, we ask you for forgiveness of all of them right now. 
We thank you, and Father, we forgive those who have sinned against who have sinned against us. We completely forgive them 100%. We thank you, Father. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. The sun will shine again. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. God has wonderful things planned for you. Let him do his work. Let him teach. God can really teach in the valley. Whoo. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I believe the things you learn in the valley, you can share with others. It will really, really help them. So father, we thank you. Seal the word in Jesus name. Bless your people in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Thank you for watching. And I would ask that you would be praying for me this week as tomorrow I go back into the studio and record for several days in a row, day after day after day, recording programs for pure gold. I would ask for your prayers for strength and endurance. It is amazing how it happens. Every time it's time to record, the enemy attacks my throat. He attacks my voice and sinuses and um, really tries to hit me on that. And so because that starts tomorrow, he's already trying that stuff. Now I'm resisting. I'm standing strong. But I, I would ask that you would pray for me. It says in the Bible, Paul said, we are not ignorant of his devices. Praise the Lord. And I know that these messages that are going to be recorded are going to bless many people around the world. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So thank you for praying for me. I ask that you would pray for my health. I also ask that you would pray that I would have boldness to preach the gospel in the fullness of its power as the Lord would have it shared. Thank you so much for your prayers. And I'll see you back next time real soon. Bye-bye.